Did, did you like that, Pihau? <laughs> All right, good morning, guys. Um, today we're going to be talking about what? Anybody remember? How churches die. It's a little bit depressing, I know. Uh, but the whole idea is that we have to remember that there is a timeline for churches. Churches, churches uh, are born and churches die. Now, this is the deal. A lot of churches die prematurely because of certain circumstances that we're going to be talking about today. Last week, not last week, but the week before, what did we talk about? Anybody remember? What matters? Thank you, Katie, but she takes notes. Anybody else? Did anyone else remember that? Anybody else remember that? Josh? I appreciate that. I believe Josh. Josh looks like a smart guy. Um, family matters. If we do not, for honest to goodness sake, really actually love and engage with our family, and we just pretend churches die because of that. Today, we're going to be talking about something totally different, how churches die, but another reason. I want to start by talking about Nicaragua. This is the trip that Joy Hong went on, Esther Kwan, Esther Chin, uh, Sharon G, um, Crystal, Danny G. Yeah, Wesley. There's a, 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 so, so they were like scared. Like Esther Chin is, is like she is now, but she was even more scared, right? <laughs> Okay, she's not really scared, but, but when, she was, when, she was, when she was a 10th grader, when she, listen, when she was a 10th grader and, and Crystal and all them, we told them, okay, this is the thing that we do. We go and we have these church services. We have these church services where there'll be like 500 Nicaraguans that come out and they have to share their testimony, these little 10th grade girls. They have to go share their testimony in front of 500 people in a different language, Right? Well, I mean, you didn't speak. You had a translator, though. And then they would share. Uh, and b right before they get up, they'd start to tremble. I could see it in their face. They, had, they were nauseous. They couldn't eat the black beans and rice. Right? And then they would start to cry a little bit, tear up. Esther Chin teared up. Right? And then they would gather around each other, and they would start to pray for each other. These girls, who I'm not even sure if they really spent a lot of time in prayer uh, other than, like, praying for their food. Jesus, thank you for my lunch. Amen. Right. But now they are trembling in the fear of God because they're like, Jesus, if you don't show up. Right. They gathered around each other and they pray and then they would share their testimony. It was amazing. By the end of the trip, they were totally different. They were like these like passionate, like they relied on God for everything. And I remember coming home. Uh, we went to the airport in Nicaragua, of course, and we found out that our flight was canceled. So me and, me and uh, Pastor Jay, uh, Pastor Jay was the middle school pastor. He's like a really, really funny, nice, uh, sweet guy. Don't think of like a formal, like, oh, I am Pastor Jay. He was like a really nice guy. Oh, is he in there? Oh, yeah, he's in the top next to uh, Walter. Hey, Walter. Where's... Oh, I'm like, how do I miss Walter? But it's right there. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, so we were sitting there, and I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm full of faith, too. I love Jesus, too. But I'm just sitting there like, oh, crap, because we have to get back because we have a service on Sunday. And this was probably like Friday-ish sometime. And we have to drive a stupid van, a, a bus, a mini bus, a small bus, like a school bus, like a short bus. Call, we called it Hobok, which means pumpkin. Right? We had to drive that sucker from Miami all the way back up to Augusta. The problem is, at its top speed, it was 45 miles an hour. <laughs> But when we go downhill, we were like, 55! You know, everyone's like, hold on! Here we go! 
right? And the air conditioning would like drip water in my head. And Joy, like she was such a servant at that time, she'd just wipe the, because there was this air conditioning condenser above and it would just drip on my head the whole time I drove. It was horrible. And she would just wipe it so it wouldn't drip on my head. It was nice. She was definitely full of the love of Jesus at the moment. But we were in the stinking airport. They canceled the flight. Me and Jay are like freaking panicking out. And I'm like, okay. I'm thinking about like, you know, like our 10th grade girls, like freaking out. So we, we turn and we gingerly say, hey, uh, they canceled our flight. And our team, instead of being like, oh, no, what do we do? They're like, yes. They're like, let's pray about it. They gather around in the middle of the airport, like this big team here. And they're like, Jesus, they start praying. And they pray that we, you know, God would work it out. And then it worked out. Like, we didn't get the flight, no. But we got like a five-star hotel. Right? You remember? They delivered us to the hotel. We walk in and we're like, oh, this is where they're putting us up. And they give us, like, free food, which was, like, this really gourmet buffet. Breakfast was amazing, right? And there was, like, a giant swimming pool in which everyone went swimming, but they didn't, t- they didn't tell me because I told them don't swim because there was, like, a wedding or something going on. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Just, don't, just go to bed. Everyone needs rest. They all went out and swam. And I, I was in my room by myself. <laughs> and then I started to see, like, on pic- like pictures, people are like, that's, that's you guys are in the swimming pool. Where did we go to that swimming pool? And they're like, oh, that was at the hotel. Even Jem Valencia, Jem, she, she kept it from me. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not bitter. But the point is, they were like so full of faith that it was not a staggering thing to them, that this airline was canceled, that we had to make it home to church in time, right? We ended up driving home all night, joy wiping the air conditioning. I drove all night long. We crashed. We got to the church on Sunday morning at around, what, 6, 7? Anybody remember? And then, like, my whole team, they went up here and they slept on the couches, like, in just a big pile, right? They put all the cushions on the ground and they slept, and I had to go do service. You guys don't feel bad at all. I can tell you. Like, you're like, I don't care, <laughs> you know? Like, fine. But we got back in time, and my, my team was, like, so full of faith. Like, it really, like, brought me to this recognition that we are absolutely in need of Jesus, now, this is the deal. Uh, it was really cool what Julian had prayed earlier or, or talked about with a song. We sing songs like, Lord, I need you, but we don't really need the Lord. Not, not, I mean, like, okay, like, you know, like in, in the big picture, like he, he put, keeps our cells together. We breathe. Every day we have a, a breath. It's like God's grace. Yes. But I'm saying like in a, in a practical level, like when I wake up in the morning, I don't think, oh, to get out of this bed, I need you, Jesus. Right? To go to school and to study for this paper I need, or for this exam, I need you, Jesus. We don't think that. To, to work, to check in you know, at, at work. What do they call it? Clock in? I don't clock in. So just you clock in. Ching, do you guys still do that? No? Okay, good. All right, you log in. and then I, I'm here, right? You don't think, I need Jesus for that, right? But then there's these moments in your life, and if the church follows this moment, if there's, there's moments in your life where you absolutely 100% need Jesus, and when you do, your church begins to grow and thrive and change. The problem is most churches in America do not have this on their mind. They do not need Jesus. They function. When they go into worship, guess what they do? They practice. They have like thousands of dollars worth of equipment. They have really talented musicians. Today, they didn't even practice. They didn't practice this weekend. And they did great. <laughs> Julian's like, <laughs> all right, never mind. So moving on. But a lot of churches don't need Jesus. The, the preacher, he preaches a sermon that he, he has in his bag. He's, he's practiced it. He knows what he's going to say. The same old stories, whatever. And then we go about and we pretend like everything is fine. This is normal Christianity when it's not. The mission trip is more like real Christianity, but we don't live it. And that's why the church is dying. Now, the church isn't dying all over the place, but there's a lot of churches closing their doors. 
Why? Why is the church dying prematurely? Because they stopped believing that they actually needed Jesus. For the past few weeks, me and my staff, every time we drive together, we talk about our students. We talk about what God is doing in our students. We talk about the kind of people that come in here that are broken, that are messed up, that are lost, that don't feel like they fit in anywhere. Right? We're very, very, very multicultural here. It's weird. Right? In a good way. But we think about in terms of, you know what? We're taking people's lives, kids' lives especially, that are growing up, that have a tendency because maybe they were abused when they were children, or grew up bullied, or have this really low self-esteem, or fear, or anxiety, or maybe have anger issues, whatever is in their life. They grow up, and their their statistics says they're going to become addicts. They're going to become divorced. They're going to be messed up. They're going to have broken friendships. They're going to have their life littered with craziness. But when they come here, there's an opportunity, there's a chance for our staff, for you guys, your friends, your family, uh, us as a family, to gather around and change the statistic, to guide them. This is where they're going. We move them and we take them this way. And that everything changes. See, what we do here, what we try to do here, what our staff does here, is we believe that Jesus matters. The only way that we can see people's lives that are going this way to turn towards God is because of Jesus. And we expect that. We come every Sunday and we pray for that. That's what I pray all the time. I spend a lot of time praying. You guys come and talk to me. You text message me. You Facebook message me. Some of you guys are awkward. You don't want to talk to my face, so you you Facebook message me. And I hear it. I take it to heart. I try to encourage you. I listen. and, And then I pray. I pray for you guys a lot. Because I know that the only time, right, that I could actually have change happen in your life isn't because of my own power or my my own skill in counseling you or encouraging you it's because the holy spirit does something in your life so i'm like jesus please because it's life and death now we get we get glimpses of this like last last uh two weeks ago julia's husband died she's the uh, one of the people in em right when life and death happens when somebody dies all of a sudden we're just like oh wow this is real but in everyday life it's just like oh we just go drink bubble tea like your life is a bubble tea Right? But then when you, see, when you find out somebody dies, you're just all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, introspective for a second. Oh, maybe I do need Jesus. Right? When life and death happens, all of a sudden we start to think things differently, think about things differently. I want to encourage you that the church is supposed to be the, 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 the group of people that absolutely need Jesus, and they live their life in a way that needs Jesus. We need Jesus to, to show up. We need Jesus to do miracles. We need Jesus to, to change lives. Otherwise, we're all going together in the wrong direction. If you look at Acts 2.42, that's the passage that Chris so eloquently read, right? This is the model of the early church. It's really, really simple. It's not complicated, right? When you look at it in theology, you can get really complicated. I've read thousands and thousands of of pages of of theology, and I'm just like, oh, sometimes it's just like gut-wrenching. But I love how the Bible is very, very simple. You know what the Bible is written in? The New Testament is written in something called Koine Greek. It would be like trade language. It would be like street language, like the way we talk now. It would be like, well, maybe not LOL or like SMH or whatever you guys talk. You know, like, but it's going to be like normal talking. It's not written in complicated Greek. It's common, everyday Greek. And he says here, this is the early church. This is the first church that has ever existed. He says they, the church, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Who's teaching? The apostles, the people that, that walked with Jesus, the Jesus' disciples, that taught them everything they know about Jesus. His teaching, his fellow, to fellowship, that's hanging out, enjoying each other's company, encouraging each other spiritually, to the breaking of bread, that's eating. We do that all the time, which is great, and to prayer. So there's a couple of things that the church does when it dies 
or it leads to death. The first thing the church does is it has no purpose for existing. What is our purpose statement? We exist. Culturally diverse teens for the glory of God. You guys know it. You guys know it. You see it all the time. But the, the deal is that we have a purpose for existing. A lot of churches don't. They play church. We want to have a big uh, congregation. We want to have a big building. But everything else is kind of aimless. We know why we exist, and we do that. We, we want, like, I love that all, like, new people, this is what new people do. They invite people to come to church. You know why? Because they actually believe the vision. They didn't grow up in this church. They didn't see what it was like before and how hard it is to change towards this new vision. New people, they invite new people. It's amazing that in this church, we, uh, I think you have to grow like 4% a year to be a growing church, to be like statistically marked as a growing church. We grow like 20%. Like it's crazy. The amount of percentages we grow every year is crazy. But it's really because new people are bringing new people. The old people, they don't bring the new people. The old people still remember what it was like before, and maybe they're not sure why we exist, but the new people are totally convinced. They're like, yeah, okay, that's why we exist. I get it, so I'm going to go bring new people. If you have no purpose, which a lot of churches don't, or their purposes are scattered, they have no idea what they're moving towards. They have no idea what God has called them to. I was talking to a student when we were driving to Atlanta for the revival on Sunday, on Friday, I'm sorry. And we were talking about my purpose. I know my identity. God had called me to be a discipler. I know that. I don't need, like, if I worked at McDonald's, I would still be discipling people. If I worked at Starbucks, I'd still be discipling. If I was a CEO, man, uh, a CEO of a corporation, I'd still be discipling people. Because that's what my identity is. I know that God's called me to do it. I, I don't care about preaching that much. I'm just going to be honest. I didn't sign up for this job because I'm like, I'm going to be a great preacher. I don't really care about preaching. That's not why I do this. You know what I do this for? I love just like driving places with people and just talking to them for like an hour. Because that's my identity. I am a disciple. I know what God has brought me on this earth for. Remember when we were talking about spiritual gifts a couple of months ago? You guys need to know what God has called you to do. Just like as a church, we need to know what God has called us to do. And then we work in that vein. God, we want to do what you've called us to do. And when it, we do that, we do that better than anybody else. If I tried to be something else other than a disciple, I would fail miserably. Because I know that God has called me to do it. He's blessed me. He's, uh, he's given me gifts to be a discipler. Our church has been called to be a certain way. We have to have purpose. And we have a purpose. So take the purpose to heart. Number two, the church stops praying. This is what dying churches do. You guys notice, I think all of you guys notice this. When we pray for dinner or lunch, I don't really care that much. Right? Some of you guys think it's because I like food. And I do like food, but I don't, I hate prayer that's like, we just pray because it's obligation. Right? Like my wife and I, We've been married for 16 years, right? She's desperately in love with me, and that's great, right? So that means when we hang out together, we talk about stuff, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this today, I'm doing this, and then I'm like typing, and, we're, and she's like, oh, I need time with you. I'm like, what do you mean you need time with me? We've been spending all day together. She's like, I need time with you. What? Like a date. I'm like, yeah, well, let's go out to eat. No, she, I want to talk to you. We've been talking all day. No, I want to talk to you. I'm like, woman? So help me, Jesus. Right? What is she saying? She says, I want real, authentic time with you. I want to spend time. I want to know you. 
I want to dream dreams of you. Okay, maybe not. It's not like that. But you get what I'm saying. And then when we pray with Jesus, it's like, uh, like P.F. Chang's food comes out. We're like, yes. Jesus, thank you for this. Amen. Let's eat. And Jesus is like, what? You think that was a prayer? Don't pretend. Just don't pray. I know I'm recording this and you guys are all hearing this like, what? He said, don't pray. Don't be fake about prayer. Don't be fake about prayer. Nobody, nobody appreciates that. Nobody wants fake friends. Right? So don't like so when you see me when you see me at wall, like uh, like at steak and shake and we're about to eat and I'm just like okay guys let's pray, right? I'm not gonna really put a lot of effort into it because I know you know between me and God it's like God's like, you know I know you're not really praying Howard, you're just going through the motions. And I don't want my relationship with the Lord to be that way. I don't want our relationship with the Lord to be that way in this church. So what happens every time we have an opening prayer, right? Jillian, do not be insecure. I'm not saying. I'm not talking about Julian, but I'm just talking about like sometimes we get up here and we pray and we, we're just going through the motions. In the EM service, the adult service, we just go through the motions, right? And then sometimes there's these like amazing prayers. Um, who's the gentleman with the, the walking cane and he has glasses, he's short, balding? Do you guys know? Every time he prays, like I'm crying. He's like, Lord, thank you so much for saving me. I'm just like, you know, thank you, Lord. It's amazing, you know? Because he's, so, he's not praying just to fill up time. When we pray, we should be praying for our people. For us, yeah. But for people that we want to reach, yeah. Because we want our prayers to mean something. My wife, when she was in Thailand, she prayed for this lady who was deaf. And I told this story multiple times, but she was deaf. And the lady was like, I want you to pray for me. Or they're saying, hey, pray for these people that need healing. My wife wasn't going to go over there and be like, hey, I'm just going to pray fakely. No, she's like, oh, Jesus, we're, we're on a mission trip. I want them to know you. I want them to follow you, Right? Please heal this woman. My wife was praying because it mattered. And when she prayed and the woman was healed, she's like, gets up and starts shouting, right? In Thai, we didn't know what she was saying. Right? Because she was healed. Raylan was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Because it mattered. How many times do we pray when it matters? Or are our prayers all about, oh, Lord, help me have a good parking space. Lord, help me pass this test. God's like, what? There's people dying all over the world. There's, you have friends that are broken, right? You should be at least, if you're going to pray for yourself, at least pray for courage so I can go talk to somebody, be an encouragement to somebody, to, so I don't live a superficial bubble tea life, right? Nothing wrong with bubble tea. I love bubble tea. But I'm just saying, you get what I'm saying? You everyone understand? You feel me? The church is plagued with problems from within. This is the deal, right? Because you guys are all human beings, right? Because all you all are human beings, you guys have, you have problems that every human being has. You have insecurities, you have fears, you have betrayal, gossip, right? You hurt one another. But this is the deal, man. In the church, we cannot have people acting out in dysfunction. Now, this is the deal. Guaranteed, I will hurt your feelings. If you get close to me, I will hurt your feelings sometimes. I hurt Kung's feelings every week. But that's on purpose, so it's different. But I will hurt your feelings because I'm human, you're human, right? So what, what is the deal? Should we just really strive not to hurt each other's feelings? Yeah, but realistically, we will. So what is our response? Our response is that when we do hurt each other's feelings, we have to deal with it correctly. Churches are destroyed. Korean churches are notorious for splits. When I was growing up, the reason why I left the Korean church, besides the fact that Korean people hated me, right, because they thought I was Hawaiian. No, they didn't. I didn't look Hawaiian when I was a kid. 
I got this new. This is new. <laughs> but one of the reasons I hated Korean churches is because when I was growing up, my dad was an elder in a church, and every church we went to, it split. I went through seven church splits, uh, splitches? Splits until I was like 13. Seven. Seven church splits. Our church here is, what, 30-some years old, Shine? 34, 32, 33? We haven't had a church split. This is the only reason I'm at this church. Okay, God called me to be this church, but this is one of the reasons. It's because our church has not split in 30-some years. That is absolutely extraordinary for a Korean church. Why? Because of this kind of crap. Gossip. Dysfunctional people not dealing with each other. You know how many... There was a... Um, a person on our worship team, I'm not going to name names, but he hated this other person on our worship team. And she hated him. And so they would come to me and gossip to me. And I'm like, I'm not a safe place. You need to go talk to that person. And they wouldn't. And they try to justify it with spiritual terms. I'm like, I don't care. Stop being a baby. He was a grown man. I'm like, you're a grown man. And he wouldn't. So you know what I did? I went to the woman and I said, hey, you have a problem with this guy and he has a problem with you. You guys need to go talk it out. And you know what happened? He left the church. End of story. And you know where he goes? Nowhere. I think he's, he's, he goes and sits in his living room on Sunday mornings. His wife comes to the church. But that was the end. You see how stupid and idiotic that is? I don't know if you consider Satan much, but if you think about Satan and his plan, that was perfectly executed. You have a full-on, grown-up, mature man. You have a full-on, grown-up, mature woman, both uh, believing, professing to believe in Jesus, and they won't talk to each other, and they leave the church because they can't deal. That is not us. Churches die because of crap like that. You need to man up or woman up and deal with it. Somebody offends you, you don't need just to be like, oh, it's okay, and they offend you again. You're like, oh, it's okay, and you're like dying, and you hate this place, and you can't come anymore because you can't look that person in the eye. That's messed up. You need to say, Howard, I don't have the courage. Can you help me? Yes, and I'll encourage you. And you need to go talk to that person and pray with that person and show that person that you love that person. And then all of this stuff goes away. Churches don't die. You get what I'm saying? It's a ridiculous thing. This is what our church is like. But you will be the next generation. You will be filling, maybe not these halls, wherever, whatever church you go to. And if you entertain the same kind of stuff that, the, that some of our members are doing, you will fail. You will be a part of the death of a church. It's pretty intense, right? Don't do that. Stop it. So number one, churches die when the church has no purpose for existing. No purpose. They have not received the Lord, uh, word from the Lord, what we're supposed to do, what God's called us to do. The church stops praying. They only pray for crap that doesn't matter. Lord, bless this service. Give us lunch. Help us to have a good lunch. Help us to have enough hot dogs because they always finish the hot dogs before we get down there. You know? And then number three, the church is plagued with problems from within. So how do we overcome? Number one, relationship. You know how like your parents always say, uh, you know, your parents might not even go to church, but they're like, you need to go to church. What? You don't go to church, but you need to go to church. <laughs> right? Why do, they, why do they say that? There is truth to that. They know because the kind of people, hopefully, if you go to a church that, that loves Jesus, you know, they're not going to be the kind of people that take you to clubs. You know, like getting trashed and, you know. 
But the fact of the matter is, God has set up the church as a relationship. We are a family, which means we take care of one another. That means when one of you goes off on the deep end and starts partying, getting drunk, smashed, right? One of us comes up to you and say, hey, or ten of us, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Come back. Stop it. Like, it's so cool because we have one, I'm not going to name names, but we have somebody in here that's not in here right now. But like every time we see him, we're like, come back to church, come back to church, come back to church, come back to church. And he hears it all the time from so many people. And it's annoying him. But when he's ready to come back to church, guess what he's going to do? He's going to come back to church. Because he knows a lot of people here care about him. Relationship. It matters. Churches matter, right? The second thing, application. A lot of times you hear my sermons and guess what you do? If you stay awake, which I'm proud of. League of Legends players don't stay awake. But everyone else, if you stay awake, I'm proud of you. But you don't act like you need to apply anything. I try to make these sermons super easy. There's usually one big point, one main idea. And there's usually some application point. But some of you guys are just like, oh, that was entertaining. Oh, Howard told some funny stories this time. No. No, no, you have to read the Bible. You have to listen to sermons. You have to listen or read articles or books or whatever and intend to apply. Apply it. Or else you're just going to sit here. You're wasting your time. Right? So automatically go in with the mindset that you're going to apply this to your life. And then the last one is... Pray sun, stand, still prayers. You guys remember that from the winter retreat? If you were not at the winter retreat, basically we had this time where we, you know, asked you, like, if you could pray and God would make it happen, you know, and we're talking about not selfish, like, I want a Maserati, <laughs> but more like, you know, I want my friends to come to know, come to know you, right? If you could pray and you know what would happen, what kind of prayers would you pray? And we called them sun, stand, still prayers. Joshua you don't know this story, he was in battle, and he was running out of time, and his opponents were leaving, but he knew he could slay them all if the sun didn't go down, so he prays, he throws this as Hail Mary prayer to Jesus, or to God, hey, can you make the sun stand still? And God's like, okay, I can do that. So the sun stands still, the, the sun doesn't go down, and Joshua goes and kills everybody, right? Great story, romantic, right? But the point is that he did this crazy thing where he's just like, okay, God, I know you're God, so uh, the sun, can you keep it from moving? Like, freeze time. It's like praying, Jesus, can you, like, let me time warp back in time? And God's like, okay. <laughs> you know, wild, wild west, you know. So the idea is, I don't know why you guys, that pause wasn't funny. But, the <laughs> but sun stand still prayers. Pray like crazy prayers. Right? Pray for your parents to get saved. Right? Pray for your friends to get saved. Pray for this certain friend that you know that, that needs to come to church that isn't. Pray for your friend that, that's going through, like, this crazy, horrible breakup. Pray for a, a, a someone that, that is going through, like, grieving because they lost somebody important in their life. Pray that you would, you would find out what God has called you to be and do and start to do those things. Pray for courage, right? Pray that you wouldn't live a bubble tea life, right? So the whole idea to overcome, remember relationships. Be a part of the church. Get involved. Some of you guys I know in the, in the you know, a few months ago felt like you're on the outskirts, but you've been persevering and coming, 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 and people have been um, gathering around you and starting to, to, to become close to you. That's how it should work. And people here that have been here for years, you guys need to make it easy for new people, right? Remember, and then the second one, application, right? Apply, look at everything as like, okay, what can I apply this week? That's what I try to think. I try to have a takeaway all the time. Whenever I hear a good sermon, I'm like, okay, what, what, what can I do this week to change, to grow? What is God asking me to do? What is the Holy Spirit convic convicting me of? Some of you guys hear my sermons and I see your faces go down, not because you're sleeping, but because you feel bad. 
Like the Holy Spirit saying, that's you. Stop playing lead. Delete it. Wait, is it a download? I don't know anything about it. See, that's because I'm not sinning like you guys. Okay, so you're like, you know, God's telling you something, and you know it. You know it's wrong, but you still don't change. Right? And then Sunstand still prays. Go for it. Pray, like, huge prayers and watch God move. Pray for revival in your school. Pray for, like, your teachers to get saved. Go after school and actively pursue your teachers and your coaches and, and your friends and pray for community in your school. Some of you guys go to, like, uh, Greenbrier, and there's only one of you. Actually, it's Grace. I wish that was intentional, but it wasn't. But, like, but then, you know, Grace and, 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 and Kyung could be like, I, I'm tired of Lakeside having, like, 20 people in, in their graduations. I want, like, Sammy, yeah. Oh, Tim and too. And you guys are like, I want, I want everyone here to be from Greenbrier now, Wolfpack. You know? Do it. Pray that. I mean, not for that reason, but, you know, that they would get saved in your school, and your school would have a revival, and then everyone would get saved in, in Greenbrier. All right? Is that good? Practical, easy, something to remember. So last week was family matters. This week, Jesus mattered. Okay? Jesus matters. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Just pray against any kind of throwaway prayers that we have, God. Help people in here, in this room, including myself, God, to be the kind of people that make you the most important thing in our life. God, that we would be desperate for you in every way because we, we live our life that requires faith. It wouldn't be all about comfort. I know we like to be comfortable. But Lord, every time we go into to Tutti Frutti and we see somebody new, we're like, hey, we go to this church. Would you like to come? Just do something crazy like that. God, help us to, to be crazy people. Not because we just want to be daredevils and all that kind of stuff, but because we want to be the kind of people that really do what we believe and say what we believe and honor you in every part of our life. God, I know I lack that. I, I'm scared to talk to people that I don't know. But I know that you give us courage and that you give us the power through your Holy Spirit to, to actually make a difference in this world and not be like, pretend like a lot of TV is talking about how we can change the world and graduation speeches and reach the stars and crap like that. God, we know that through you, you're the only way that we can actually really change the world forever. And so we just ask you for that, to be the people that, that, take, that take that seriously. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, uh, the small group question?